Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back, everyone, to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. It was so nice to meet so many new M1s this past Wednesday. Lord willing, we are hoping to expand. So again, if you're free Wednesday for lunch, we are meeting at the Student Union. I've got Christian with me today, and we are continuing in our journey through Romans 8. The more I read Romans 8, the more I realize we can't rush this chapter. It's too important for our Christian life because it gives us the blueprint on how to live this life. How do we follow God's will? How do we become well-pleasing to God? How do we learn to follow God in every aspect of our living? The answer starts in Romans 8. I want to give you guys a quick recap. In Romans 7, there is this picture of Paul trying his best to please God, but he keeps failing over and over. He knows what to do. He knows the Old Testament backwards and forwards. But why can't he keep it? He discovered that there's a law, like the law of gravity, that always activates every time he tries to do good. And like the law of gravity, it's constant and unchanging. And in his crying out to God and seeking God, Paul realized something. He realized that in the Spirit, there is a law of the Spirit of life. And it frees him in Christ from the law of sin and death. He realized that the answer is in the Spirit. But what is the Spirit? I think most of us think of the Spirit as some type of nebulous thing that just floats around. Or maybe that gives you power to speak in tongues or something like that. But I would say that based on Romans 8, it's much more personal and intimate than that. With that being said, anything you want to add, Christian, before you start? I wanted to give a little recap also of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. You'd mention um, how Romans 7, it's, it's really Paul's experience of really struggling, right? Uh, as a believer. So in, in Romans 5, we have a picture of being in Adam. In Romans 6, there's a picture of being in Christ. That's kind of objectively two different uh, persons that we might be in. But then subjectively in, in Romans 7 and 8, Paul talks about one being in the flesh, Romans 7, and then finally in Romans 8, being in the spirit. So that's just an easy way I've, I've remembered those four chapters. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into what, is, what does that mean, being in the spirit? What is the law of the spirit of life? What is the spirit and what is our spirit? Yes, those are some good questions. So let's focus on that matter today. What is the spirit that Paul is talking about and how does that relate to us? We'll be reading Romans 8, 7 through 17. I encourage all our listeners to read these verses carefully and consider before the Lord what he's talking about. 
I'm going to highlight some verses here. This is verses 7 through 10. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Wow! Those are some awesome, awesome verses. Before I turn it over to you, Christian, I want to point out a few things. When we see the word flesh in verse 7 and 8, we automatically think of bad things like murder, lying, stealing, etc. But if you look at it in the context of Romans 7, it actually broadens the definition. In Romans 7, Paul was trying to please God and keep God's law according to the flesh, according to his natural strength, his best effort. But here he realized his flesh, no matter how much he tries to train it, to adjust it, it does not submit to God's law. It can't. He even goes as far as saying, those who are in the flesh, doesn't matter if you're trying your best to be a good person or living like a wild person, it cannot please God. And I think that really sets the stage for our next portion. You brothers and sisters are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Let me say that again, because I don't think I said it with enough conviction. You, Christian, you believers in Christ, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Why or how? If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Hallelujah. Let me read verse 10. But if Christ is in you, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of God does what? Dwells in us? Christ in you? Christian, this is getting really exciting. Let me ask you a few questions. First, define this for me. Who's dwelling in me? And then, where is he dwelling in me? This is a really interesting set of verses, right? So, Paul, I mean, obviously there's like a contrast between someone who's living in the flesh. And then he mentions that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Well, actually, it's so interesting. In the next verse, he says, but if Christ is in you, so is it is it the Spirit of God dwelling in you, or is it is Christ dwelling in you? I think the answer is yes. Who's dwelling in us? It's, it's, uh, it, it is the Spirit, it is Christ. And actually, even in verse 11, it says, the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So that's the entire trying God dwelling in us just saying that much about that you asked me well where does this spirit dwell Um, i think we begin to get an answer with probably verse 16 in in the same chapter in chapters chapter 8 which says that the spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of god so the Holy Spirit is having some kind of connection to our spirit. Amazing. Let me recap what you just said, Christian, because I didn't notice that until you brought it out. In Romans 8, 9, it says the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Romans 8.10 says, But if Christ is in you, and then verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. It's the triune God. It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's the God of the universe, the omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful creator of the universe wants to not just be among you, not just wait for you to be with him one day when you die. The triune God wants to dwell in you. This is truly mind-blowing. And let me just develop a little bit about where God dwells. And I hope you can follow me when I open this up. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it states that we are three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. The body is for our interaction with the physical life, our touch, our taste, our sight. Our soul is actually who we are. We don't really have time here to break it down thoroughly, but most Christian doctrines show that our soul comprises of our mind, our emotion, and our will. But deeper than our soul, there is something called our spirit. Now what is our spirit for? It's for us to contact God. Not only so, when we were saved, our spirit is where the God of the universe came in to dwell. Let me bring this a step further. Remember when God told Adam that the day that he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were going to die? But after eating it, they didn't die. I mean, they physically didn't die. Their soul didn't die. They could still have feelings and thoughts, and even they had their own will. So what died? Their spirit died. They lost their ability to have free-flowing communication with God. And on God's side, he lost his place to dwell. But salvation not only saved us from hell, it brought back to life our spirit. In fact, in John 3, 6, Jesus told Nicodemus, that which is born of spirit is spirit. So when you say you're a born again Christian, what does that mean? Yes, you have a new beginning, but scripturally it means your spirit was revived. Now you can contact God, but more than that, God can come and dwell in you. Man, I'm getting super excited. Christian, looks like you have something you want to add. When we're talking about the Spirit dwelling, uh, it reminds me of a really nice set of verses, verses in Ephesians 3, where Paul is praying for all the believers, and he prays, he prays to the Father that through the Spirit, we would all be strengthened into our inner man so that Christ would make home in our hearts. And I really like that series of verses connected to the Spirit dwelling in us. I, I think the Greek words are similar for dwelling and making home, right? So um, this is more than like the Spirit is just hanging out in us, but He really wants to make home, right? Um, he wants to He wants to have access to the the different rooms in our being. And this is, this is getting kind of deep. Um, I, I don't think we've, we've talked about this before. This is really like you start talking about like, why, why does God want to, you know, dwell in us? Like, and why does, you know, this is so much more than just like being saved to be a good person. This starts to get into like, you know, as, as God is dwelling in us, making his home in our heart. He is really uh, changing us metabolically from the inside out. And that's how we become real expressions 
of God, which is ultimately what God is after, right? I think we had talked about that before with Genesis. Um, just going back to Genesis 1.26, God made man in his image and his likeness, right? So why were we made? We were made to express God. And in that plan, there's a big wrench thrown into that plan because of the fall. But, but now God is getting accomplishing that again. He's accomplishing that first by dwelling in our spirit, but he, even more, he wants to dwell in every part of us, uh, making home in every part so that we could express him. Awesome, Christian. I like how you spoke that, yes, God starts by dwelling in our spirit, but he doesn't just want to stay there. He wants to spread. The word dwell and make home in Ephesians 3 implies that he wants to change things. He wants to arrange the furniture. He wants to paint the walls. We are not a Motel 6 to him where he just wants to come hang out and then leave. No, he wants to make it his home. Just like your home expresses you, Christ wants his home to express him. And how does he do that? He spreads into your mind, emotion, and will. As we continue to spend time with Christ, and as we let him make his home in our heart, we start to love what he loves. We start to think like him. Our will starts to align with his will. And this is how we are well-pleasing to him. And this actually leads us into the next portion of our reading. This is Romans 8, 14, 16, and 17a. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Spirit Himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Praise the Lord, we are children of God. However, when I was digging into this part of Scripture and reading some expositions, I found something striking concerning this matter of children, sons, and then heirs. Christian, do you mind bringing the significance of these things out? I'm just speaking what the word says here. You know, I, I can't profess that I'm completely entered into this experience and still just learning. But you, you're right. There's a progression here. Do we start out as children of God and then become sons? And then actually, what does that mean being a son? We become heirs to inherit something. And there's that little progression here from children to sons. So that means there's some growth that's happening. And I think that's very different from maybe a, what a lot of what is spoken of a lot in Christian rhetoric nowadays. It's maybe just focused on our salvation. We're saved. Now I'm a child of God. But here and in many other places throughout the word, God is not after just little little babies. God needs some sons, right? He needs some grown up sons to really express him, to express him and be able to inherit something. So I think that points again to, uh, you know, the, the, the progress in the Christian life after our salvation. Yes, let's stay here and talk about this term growth in life. I have a lot of kids and I love them all to death, but if they never grew, I would be very concerned. If my kids were all still acting like six-month-olds after 20 years, something would be very, very wrong. And I'm always amazed at how our normal life really mimics our spiritual life. When my children were first born, a lot of people would tell me, oh, they look just like you. They have my DNA, right? 
They have the ability to express me to an extent. But as they grow, as they spend time with me and go shopping with me and do yard work with me and play with me, soon they don't just look like me, they start acting like me. Their ability to express me is enlarged. And this is normal growth in life. When we were first born again, we were children of God. We had God's image, but we have to grow. And in the context of Romans 8, we have to let God dwell. Let Him adjust us. Let Him grow in us. Let Him rearrange our heart until not only do we look like Him, we act like Him. According to verse 14, we are led by the Spirit of God. And then there is this matter of heirs, which I really want to get into now, but I don't think we have the time. So, for the sake of time, we will push that back next week. Any closing words, Christian? I just, I really wish we had more time and we could do this more justice. This is, this is such a phenomenal, big point in these verses we just got touched on. I realized, you know, God, you know, He went through all. The Lord Jesus, He came and He went through everything He went through so that He can now dwell in us. Right back in the day with the disciples, the Lord could be among them and be around them, but, but then now, after He died, He became a spirit so that He can actually dwell in us and He can be our real living leader, inward leader. In our daily lives, if, if we would let him, as, as we learn to let him. And, you know, and, and this is actually accomplishing what he wants to do today as we allow the Lord to take, take the lead in our lives in big and small things. He's gaining parts of our being, he's gaining our, our mind, emotion, will, so that, you know, we're, we're thinking like him. We're, We're choosing what he wants to choose. We, we, we love what he wants, what he loves. And, and we're becoming more and more expressions and representations of, of God. It's really amazing. I really hope we got some points across in our speaking, our, our, our poor, limited speaking. Amen, Christian. I always feel like we run out of time when we do our podcast. And especially with this chapter, I feel completely inadequate in opening this chapter up. But I hope that our listeners are seeing what we are seeing. Christ dwelling in us is the key to our entire Christian life. If we see that Christ lives in us, it will revolutionize our entire Christian life. It makes our Christian life make sense, it makes Christ's salvation make sense. It also deepens our appreciation of Christ's wonderful, full salvation. We will be gathering this Wednesday for Bible study on campus from 12 to 1 at the Student Union. I hope you guys can join us. Also, we are working on a cookout off campus for our students with an opportunity for our med students who are farther along to share their experience of spending time with God in medical school. I hope you guys can be there. But for now, I'm praying for you guys. I hope you guys have a great week. And may the God that dwells in your spirit make more of his home in your heart this week. Have a great one. Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this that Christ.
in me as rays of light from yonder sun the flowers of earth set free so life and light and love come forth from Christ living in me Christ liveth in me Christ liveth in me Oh, what a salvation this That Christ liveth in me As lives the flower within the seed As in the cone the tree so praise the Christ of truth and grace, His Spirit dwelleth in me. Christ liveth in me, Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation! that Christ liveth in me. With longing all my heart is filled, that like Him I may be, as on the wondrous thought I dwell, that Christ liveth liveth in me, Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this, that Christ liveth